in some churches, uh, when it comes to Mother's Day, it's acknowledged. But sometimes they don't stop and take a look at um, you know, the, the, power, the powerful impact of moms. I don't know that it's kind of like apple pie and the flag. You know, you kind of expect something like that on Mother's Day. And yet I understand that the churches are maybe dealing with a series of messages. They'll keep on in that series and, and then maybe they'll make some kind of acknowledgement from that point. Sometimes, and I, I've done this for many years, I'll, I'll focus in on a particular character of Scripture that models a very important piece, uh, aspect of motherhood. I've, uh, I have no question that I've preached on uh, Hannah uh, impacting Samuel, his life. I've preached on Mary and the impact she had on Jesus. I've preached on Jochebed, the mother of Moses. Um, and I've also preached on Proverbs 31, the mother that's there, and just a wonderful, powerful uh, character uh, tribute. And all of those things, are, you, you really can't say anything bad about. You don't, you don't get to Mother's Day and say bad things about your mother. You just don't do that, you know. You may wait till the day after Mother's Day to deal with that kind of stuff. I don't know what, what's in your world, but uh, ho hopefully that's not even a part of the, part of the model for you. But um, today I'd, I'd like to extol a virtue that I think that is important. And that is the virtue of weakness. Now, I, I uh, went to a card store recently looking for a card that would fit with this message. That would say, uh, I saw all kinds of cards. My mom's the greatest. Uh, that was a big deal. You know, I mean, that was the easy one for a Mother's Day card. But I could not find every store I went to one that said, my mom's the weakest. I couldn't find a card. And apparently there's not a big market for cards that say, my mom's the weakest. And yet that's a character that I want to come to uh, for a few moments. Uh, and hopefully you won't shoot the messenger, uh, but you'll, you'll look at the word and see how you can even say that that my mom's a weakling or my mom's the weakest. So let's take a few moments this morning and look at that together. Um, first, uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to be. Just a couple verses. And uh, uh, um, I'll put it in its context. You may not have this much uh, displayed because the verses 9 and 10 is really where I want to go. I'm going to back up to verse 7 for just a moment. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12. So Paul is talking about a particular issue that is present in his life that has kept him from boasting inordinately. And, and, and he says, I really don't need to be boasting at all. But he, he says in verse 7, to keep me from becoming conceited, because of these surpassing great revelations that he referenced uh, in, in a few verses earlier, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Now this is where I want you to hook on to the content. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. 
That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, this, the, the truth, the principles of this message really span beyond moms. So I'll, we'll make that point right off the get-go. So what is true about this is not exclusive to moms. It's something that needs to be embraced by moms, but it's applicable to all of, all of us. And so here's my, my justifications this morning in terms of my mom's weakness, the weakest. First of all, it's, it's this. Motherhood is a journey not a destination. Um, wow. Okay. Um, last week we were making a trip up to Erie. Uh, oh, that was part of the trip. And, and uh, try to hook on to the reception, at least on a, my nephew's daughter's wedding. We didn't quite get there. Uh, we didn't get there at all uh, it, 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 to that wedding event or reception. And my sister ended up being in the hospital. My sister would be the grandmother of the granddaughter who got married. She couldn't even get to the wedding. And that's a disappointment in herself. But her, her, uh, her physical condition had deteriorated, and she was needing care, and, and, uh, and he was still, still in a very precarious kind of spot. Uh, when we got there, we had a celebration point with my uh, brother, who uh, turned 60. He's the baby of the family, so that tells you that I'm older than 60. Uh, that's all you're going to get from me. So at any rate, so he, um, so he did that, so we were celebrating there. And then, and then they informed me that their daughter was going to have a baby. And I had kind of gotten wind of that, but I... Some things you just play dumb on, okay? So I figure out, well, he'll tell me when he's ready to tell me. And he said, I didn't know it till about three weeks ago. And I thought, how do you hide? You know, and, and the answer was big clothes. And I thought, oh, okay. The and and I'm, I, she's not married. And, and, you know, I understand those things happen. But, but this is her four fifth child and still not married and I would think after a while that you got something's, something's not quite all together there in terms of information that you need to get all those pieces together uh, and again I'm, uh, I don't know all the story but all, I know there's that but one thing that I'm grateful for and she did give birth uh, this week um, uh, middle of the week one thing I'm grateful for is that she chose life even with all the complications and all the challenges and all the things that that child is going to have to deal with without the, without the benefit of a full-orbed family kind of thing. Uh, I, I, I affirm that she chose life, and I, I'd rather have that than not. Um, it's, it's one thing, and, and so she, she popped out number five. Okay. It in one sense, it may be easy. It's easier for me to say this because I've never had to pop out a baby, you know. Uh, it may be easy for me to say it's easy to be a mom, to just give birth. But it's another thing to be a mother. In, in other words, in, in this particular justification, motherhood is a journey, not a destination. It's not, you don't say, 
oh, I'm a mom, and that automatically entitles me to a free pass or a life full of roses along the way. We know better than that from our own, from our, our experiences in life. Uh, in that whole journey, a couple things to that. First, there are various seasons of motherhood. There are various seasons of motherhood. It, uh, I have the value of being older than 60, and so I can go back to some songs that were very popular back in the 60s, I guess is where I'd have to... And there was a group that, that was around called The Birds. The Birds. Now, uh, you know, but, but they came up with it. They had the song. And it was just it was a redo of something that actually is a biblically-based portion of Scripture. The song goes, To everything, turn, turn. There is a season, turn, turn. And maybe they threw another turn in there, probably would be my guess. But, but uh, and a time for every purpose under the heavens, a time to da 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 da. It was based on Ecclesiastes chapter three, and the language of Ecclesiastes three is simply this: to everything there is a season, and in motherhood there are seasons. I, I read one one description, put it this way: they had five seasons of motherhood. The first was what they called the rookie season. That's where you just gave birth and you have this newborn. The second season was the no, no, don't touch that season. The third season was the extracurricular team sports season. The fourth season was the teenage mom so clueless season. And then they added a bonus season that was number five, mom's not-so-clueless season. So I don't know if those are all the seasons of things, and that probably just is more of a humor point than anything else. But <clears throat> in the process, uh, there are different re different seasons. We, we, we live in this four-season wonderland, summer, fall, winter, spring, and it, it, it's distinctively different in movement. We come up each week, and... When we first started in March, it was awful barren looking. You know, there's nothing going on on the trees. Down our way, we'd get a little bit, and then we'd kind of hope, I wonder, I wonder when, I wonder when, and eventually. But we've noticed in the trip up yesterday that there's a whole lot more green, and the season is coming along. Um, and, and so there may be things that, that are called for as a mother in one season that may be different in another season. But... Those are all things that are part of the journey. And you don't arrive just because you've given birth. It's a constant, continuing journey. You can have a different role or function. Um, moving through your family kind of thing. And it, it, may, it may be, no, no, don't touch that. And, and extracurricular teams and, and the, all of those kinds of things. But there are different seasons and different demands that sometimes can be placed upon moms at different seasons. There are various models of motherhood as well. Uh, when, when I was growing up, uh, my mom worked outside the home. I, do, I don't remember my mom not working outside the home. For some of you, that may have been uh, un, unusual. Maybe your mom was a stay-at-home. Maybe she chose to do that. Maybe your, maybe your mom chose to stay home so that she could homeschool you, so that she could be there for whatever else was needed. And, and that was all, those were all choices. 
Perhaps it was a little more prevalent then with the housewife thought, you know, but but in, in the day when I was growing up, you know, mom went to work, dad went to work, um, and sometimes we would get cared for by by grandparents or extended family. Uh, once you got into school, um, you know, you had to make sure somebody was, came in to see you off to the bus and all those kinds of things. And after a while, when you got old enough, you just kind of went on your world. And I remember when I'd get home, I, I knew there was going to be a note, and you take this out of the refrigerator or the freezer and put it in the oven and turn the temperature on and hope and pray that it don't burn up before I get home. You know, so those kind of instructions that you learned along. Though there's different models. For some, they choose to be full-time stay-at-home moms. For some, they choose to, to, to try to balance, and it is a balancing act, the responsibilities of being a mom and working, sometimes in order to have make ends meet. And sometimes it's not uh, the, the, the high cost of living, it's the cost of high living that gets people into problem, but... But sometimes it, it, in our world, it seems like there are almost there are times where just single income isn't quite sufficient to do everything that needs to be done, and so they work the alternative. There are different models, and I think we've got to exercise great charity toward people who find themselves in the tough places of leaving their children either with the care of others um, or or some other model in order to do what they feel they need to do. And it's not my job to sit in judgment. My job is to try to find any ways that I can to be of encouragement to them and minister to them and serve them. And I think that's what we have as a responsibility as a church. So we have different models that are there. Um, maybe, your, maybe your mom was a very caring kind of person. Maybe she was very businesslike. And, and so you have different temperament or different kinds of character qualities but you, you, you'd be grateful for what you do have. And hopefully there is that unconditional love that's there. Hopefully there is that patience that we need uh, in those kinds of situations. But it's a journey. And that requires all of us to be very aware that there are a variety of different models of the way motherhood looks these days. And then there are new experiences in motherhood. The challenges of our day are, I can't say unprecedented, but they sure seem to be amplified to me. The pressures that seem to be imposed and put upon moms in terms of expectations of what they have to do and to try to do it all, do it, it's, it's like a juggling act that's almost impossible to get right. You do the best you can is all that you can do. Um, one one, one uh, gal in our church in, in the congregation in Cumberland one time uh, was talking about, she said, she said, God had gave me this, these two children. She, her, here's her phrase. She says, I gave them roots to grow and wings to fly. Roots to grow, wings to fly. Now, the, the hard part is watching them fly into troubled areas. The old myth of, uh, I think it was Icarus, I remember seeing in the Greek mythology books who who had wings that he had put together uh, and it, however wax or however they had put them together, but he flew too close to the sun and the wings came apart and then he dies. 
there are times when you see your children or you've been the child that's been flying too close to the sun. And as a mom, you see that and you say, oh, God. And those are all experiences that are part of a journey that that helps, that it that shows us our foibles, our inconsistencies, our Achilles heel. Those are things that we see, and sometimes we can beat ourselves up with that. And while I don't ever want to minimize the working of God to create a a change in us, we can change. Uh, uh, I think we've got to be willing to accept God. I can't do this. Probably that's the first thing every parent that gets that newborn baby in their arms, they look at that baby and they say, Oh God, how am I going to raise that baby? And then the child continues to grow and then they put them on the school bus and the first day and they say, Oh God, I have a hard time letting him go. And then before you know it, then you're at high school graduation and and they got their cap all tapped, tipped, and ready to go. And you, you say, oh, God, it's such an uncertain world. I don't know how they're going to survive out there. And then they get to college or then they get married or whatever it may be. I guess along the process, all I'm saying is that we've got to be aware that it's a journey, not an arrival point. It's a journey. <coughs> Excuse me. The second justification is this, that mom's weaknesses can result in God's power. And I, I heard that a lot through the music today. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca, for choosing what you did. Mom's weaknesses can result in God's power. So now let me come back to the passage in 2 Corinthians 12. Verse 9 is a quote, if you will. It's read in my Bible. But he said to me, these are the words of the Lord, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And that's the principle of the truth of God's word. One of the things that can be very helpful in understanding that mom's weaknesses can result in God's power is this, that mom's imperfections can keep her dependent, can keep her dependent. You see, if the mom thinks she's got it all figured out, and knows exactly what, because she's read all the books. She, 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 I've been through Dr. Spock. I've been through whoever, whoever the latest and greatest is of, of people that have their own uh, answers to solutions of the world and how to raise the perfect family. And all. I think one of the things that the mom needs to understand is that without some help, it's going to be tough. And uh, I was talking with one fellow a while back, and he said, he said I used to have. He said, I had, I had five kids and one theory. Now I have five theories to deal with one kid. You know, it just becomes a real challenge. How to figure out how to handle that person, uh, regardless of their number, if you will. Those imperfections can keep her dependent. So one of the things that's probably going to be most helpful for moms, and if you, you're probably already cycled through this, perhaps to some degree, is simply coming to the point that you realize you need to be helped. You need to be dependent upon someone else. 
Now, one of the challenges I'm, I'm noticing, it seems to me that there are increasingly children who do not parent their children. They seem to default to mom. And so you have grandparents raising grandchildren. And I will tell you, I, I, we have 12 grandkids. And if I had to parent any of those kids, and they're good kids, I, I don't think grandparents are wired to do that. I, I, I think parents are wired to do that. Grandparents are, you know, it's just, there was a guy that uh, I, I admired, a church growth guy. His name was Peter Wagner. And uh, we were at a seminar one time, and he was talking. He said, he gave this little, little poem. He says this. He says, I've seen the, the lights of Paris. I've seen the lights of Rome. But the lights I love the dearest are the taillights of the grandchildren going home. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, we're not wired for that. We're not wired for the responsibility. And, and my heart goes out to grandparents who sometimes find themselves a hostage. I don't know how else to describe hostage to that situation. And uh, certainly they need to recognize their dependence upon God to do what is not naturally there. It's one thing to be a care helper. It's another thing to be the caregiver. And so there's a challenge there. It, mom's imperfections can keep her dependent. Mom's imperfections can also keep her developing. Not too far away, next page over in my Bible, in 2 Corinthians 13, is a verse, verse 9. <coughs> and here's what it says. Uh, we are glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong, and our prayer is for your perfection. Your perfection. And, and that word literally means you're maturing. It's a process. Your development. So that understand that as a mom, you may not have it all right together. But you can learn. You can grow. And for all of us, we need to keep learning and keep growing beyond that. Mom's imperfections can keep her also directed, directed so she's moving in the right direction. Same chapter 13, up in verse 4, puts it this way. <clears throat> For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power, we will live with him to serve you. Um, parenthood, someone said, is one of those occupations that once you think you've figured it out, you're suddenly unemployed. You're out of a job. And yet, in one sense, we're never out of a job. It seems like there is always something that needs to have our care and our attention. And so thank God for the opportunities he gives to you and to me to, to exercise impact and influence upon people, and particularly on this Mother's Day, understanding that it's a journey, not a destination, and her weakness, your weakness, can result in God's power. When we talk about those situations where we say, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this, that is the point at which something else kicks in. A neighbor of mine uh, lives behind me, uh, put in a brand new, well, I guess it was last year, uh, a Generac station. 
he has a, a, a basement that, that they, they did some remodeling. And they went down below the water table. So sub pumps are a way of life for him. Okay? And so they seemingly constantly are running high. If you lose power, you lose your sub pump. If you lose your sub pump, your basement suddenly becomes a swimming pool. And I went down there one time when, when, he, when the power went out and uh, something kicked. And suddenly, I mean, it, 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 there was this much water. It, looked clear, it really looked like a swimming pool. It was nice, clear groundwater coming up through. But, but, so he put this Generac thing in so that when the power goes off, the Generac kicks on. So it'll, it'll keep him good for uh, X number of hours until hopefully the power comes back on or, or you, you, have to, you have to do something else, I don't know, whatever. <coughs> in that power, that suddenly kicks in when the need exists. Sometimes we, we want God to give us the power in advance to make sure we know it's going to work. You know, uh, but what, no, he gives us what is necessary for the need that exists. My, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in his weakness. And so in that weakness becomes a point of dependency upon him. But we can experience a direction, it was Second Corinthians 13, 4, to provide service to the body provide service to family, to provide service to children and grandchildren. I read one, one person that said, God could not be everywhere, and therefore he made mothers. And that, that, that was, one spot was a Jewish, provo- Jewish proverb, and another spot was attributed to Rudyard, Rudyard Kipling. So take your pick in terms of which one you want to believe. But, but nonetheless, it is kind of extolling the importance of the gift of mothers to our world. In, in a recent uh, study that was done by the Barner Report Group, which they've been around for a number of years and done some interesting stuff, they talked about the import, uh, the influence and impact of mothers uh, in, a, in a study that they had done recently. They said that more than our fathers or any other category of frequent participants in households, the mothers are seen as confidence, providers of support, and drivers of faith formation. We, they observe this, it, it, and that in what they refer to as Generation Z, which is a, the most groovy generation, I guess, uh, whatever, Generation X, Generation Y, Generation Z. I don't know where they're going to go next. They're going to have to speak Greek or something to get into Generation Alpha, whatever they'll do. But for, for, this, for all the stereotypes we have of teenagers rolling their eyes at parents, the study found that that particular generation are very open with and dependent upon their mothers. Here's a description. Uh, Today's Christian teen consistently identifies their mother as the principal housemate for almost all activities. From eating meals together, 85%, watching TV or movies, 81%, talking about God, 70%, having confrontations, 63%. Mothers are primary activity partner for their teens. Practicing Christians in their teens consistently identify mothers as the ones who provide spiritual guidance and instruction and instill values and disciplines of their faith in the household. Moms are their foremost prayer partners, 63%. Conversations about God, 70%. The Bible, 71%. Other faith questions, 72%. This is consistent with Barna data throughout the years that shows mothers to be the managers of faith, 
formation. It doesn't mean that dads aren't doing it. It means that moms are the ones that are seemingly more doing it. I'm not going to hear. I'm not here to argue that. I'll, I get to Father's Day. We'll give them a load, you know, just to make it fair. Uh, but but here, here it's that place of faith formation. Um, mothers are also the ones encouraging church attendance. Seventy-nine percent. Some you mentioned that. God brought you to church. You know, Barb, we posted on Facebook. Uh, we we were away from home and realized we needed to do something appropriate. You know, Facebook. I don't. I don't do Facebook. She does Facebook. That's good because it makes me look good. I I don't. I, I get lost on that kind of thing. I can't even get an account to keep open. So, be that as it may, uh, encourage church attendance or teaching kids about the Bible, God's forgiveness, religious traditions, all parts of that study in terms of the influence and impact of moms. And I think one of the quickest things a mom needs to do is admit she has an, an impossible job apart from God's power to enable her to do what needs to be done. So you stop and you think for a moment where you're at. What is the season? Maybe for you, your mothering responsibilities are minimal. Maybe your grandmothering responsibilities are increased and you have the, the challenge of trying to help direct them when you want to speak your mind and you need to bite your tongue, you know? You know I hear my daughter talk about the things she has, she deals with as an aide in school with certain children, and I think what I'd prefer to do is go, you know, and you can't do that now. It's a different story. So there's got to be alternative ways to deal with those kinds of things. Those are all challenges we face. Third justification, and this is the last part. Mom's distresses, and I'll tell you, distresses is a word that sometimes can fall, fall into the category. Release God's sufficient grace. That's how it was put in, in verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you. Look at the diversity of distresses that are listed there in verse 10. And, and stop and think about it for mom as a mom. As a mom. For, through the grid of mom. Right now, look at the listing. It talks about <coughs> weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties. Those are the words that are used. Now, I know most of you as moms have never experienced any of those things. Now, you take a look at it again and you say, well, insults, oh. Sometimes you've been the recipient of a backhanded compliment. You know, you just you just came into territory. Sometimes there have been hardships. You didn't know what to do. Maybe the pressures that exerted were great. Maybe maybe there were other people that were trying to order your private world. And you didn't feel the courage to stand up as you needed to. I mean, you, could, you can stop and think most any situation to try to find the, the illustration for your own journey. There are distresses, and it can be in parenting, and particularly for moms. Distress might be a good word to describe some of the things that go on. But the language here says that there are delights as well, and that's the sufficiency of Christ. 
my grace is sufficient for you. The, the delight in verse 10 says, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. For Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. For Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Now, we, don't, we don't normally delight in our weaknesses. We deal with our, the pressures of our weakness. We don't say, oh God, I am so thankful that I am so weak in this situation. You know, we try to grab, a, grab the bull by a different horns, you know, or something, try to deal with things. Um, but the, the sufficiency of Christ and his grace, it is because of him that enables us to, to move on and continue on in ministry and service. So, if today you find yourself at a point where uh, you've earned your motherhood badge, um, this is an aside story, but when I went up to Erie, I, I was given something that I was absolutely shocked that my mom had had in her possession and had passed it on to my sister, who's in the hospital. Uh, her daughter came out with, and she says, I have this for you, and she had a, a little blue Boy Scouts of America shirt. It looked like it would fit on a doll. But actually it was a shirt that I had when I was first in Boy Scouts. And it was Pac-71, Den, whatever it was, whatever it was, kind of thing. And, uh, and then, you know, there were badges, merit badges, you know. So I have this shirt. I have no idea why my mom kept the stupid shirt and threw up my baseball card collection. <laughs> but that's another issue I'll have to deal with her. Uh, at some point in time, but anyway, I got this shirt, but it had one, had one, an arrow badge on it, and I don't even remember what it was for, it probably completed some kind of thing, but I, I got this, maybe maybe in motherhood you've got your badge, you know, one thing or another for the distresses or the challenges that may be there, but, but I want to tell you that it is when, when you recognize and acknowledge your weaknesses and your insufficiencies that you really begin to tap into the power of being a godly mother, woman of influence, when you discover that your strength comes from one bigger than yourself, the answers come more than just what you can think of, uh, and your experiences will enable you to, to teach or lead or learn in, but you'll discover the sufficiency of Christ. Last weekend, I attended uh, college graduation for second of my, of my grandchildren um, in the journey. And it was at uh, Cedarville University in Ohio. And while the service uh, got through their 1,700 graduates in two and a half hours, or two hours and 15 minutes, because the clock was running, um, a part of their service was singing uh, a class song. And I, 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 I was not familiar with this song. And yet I looked at the words and I said to Barb, I said, honey, I said, what I'm preaching on next week, boy, that song would really work well with, you know. So, so here, here's the song. Maybe we'll do it down the road. But here's the song. And I give this to you as a close this morning. So with all the, all the freight of motherhood these days um, in your heart and mind,
So here's how the language of the song goes. Take these hands, I know they're empty, but with you they can be used for beauty. In your perfect plan, all I am is yours. Take these feet, I know they stumble, but you use the weak, you use the humble, so please use me. All I am is yours. I give you all my life, I'm letting it go. A living sacrifice, no longer my own. All I am is yours. All I am is yours. Take this heart, set it on fire, shine in the dark. I want to tell the world of who you are. All I am is yours. I give you everything. To you I belong. Every beat of my heart, the breath in my lungs. All I am is yours. All I am is yours. I lift my hands up. God, I surrender all that I am for your glory, your honor, your fame. I lift my hands up. God, I surrender to you. All I am by Phil and Mallory Wickham. I couldn't sing that song right now if my life depended upon it. I'd have to make something up. But boy, the words of that song are very powerful for moms, even the ones who are the weakest. We join me as we pause for prayer. Father in heaven, you are the searcher of hearts, and you know all the things that are part of the journey today for moms in this place. Moms that have been poured into our lives, who probably felt the same kind of things of the overwhelming impossibility of the job. I suppose it's possible that there have been moms who really didn't care a whole lot. I can't envision that. But even at those times where maybe that's been our experience, we thank you that your grace is sufficient for us and you meet us at our points of need. And for moms here today who are facing the daunting challenge of raising children, sometimes raising them almost alone, sometimes there's no dad around, sometimes there's an absent father, Sometimes they're the only person, or their primary person anyways, to give care. I pray, Father, that your grace will be sufficient for those moms today. And where there have been those days of perhaps uh, infrequent expressions of thanks, those days when they feel like, uh, what's the point? What good is this thing doing? I ask, Father God, by your Holy Spirit, that you'll just whisper and breathe upon those moms who wrestle with that stuff right now. There are people here who have influence and impact upon children. They're teachers and, and aides. And they're, they're moms and, or they're, they're caregivers or they're influencers. They are molders of dreams. And I pray, Father, that you'll enable them to be all they need to be 
for the sufficiency of Christ in them. Because your strength, your power is able to be set loose in them for the greater glory of God to the building up of boys and girls into men and women who will embrace and see the face of God and be uh, champions for Christ along the way. So pray your blessing, Father. Father, words of peace and comfort to the moms who feel like they haven't figured it out or haven't got it all together, or the moms that have already invested and they feel like, man, I didn't get that right. I ask you, Father, to minister your grace and your forgiveness anew and afresh to them, each one, at their point of need. I will thank you for what you'll do. Now, Father, today uh, we choose to honor our mothers, the remembrance of them for some of us whose moms are departed now. Maybe there is a mom that needs to hear a word from someone in this group today. Maybe there is a mom here who just needs to get an extra special hug and a word of thank you. And that's sometimes uh, worth an awful lot. So meet the, meet the needs as you know them. Encourage the hearts of each one here, knowing that uh, we all need to acknowledge our weakness and our needs and are dependent upon you for your help. So thank you for your kindness and your goodness. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. You stand with me. Let me pour a blessing over you. Okay, stand up together. So, Father, you've heard you've heard the cries of the hearts of people, and you've heard the, you heard your word reminding us. And now I pray that your grace and your mercy and your peace will rest and abide upon each one of these folks as they come, and now as they exit to serve you, I pray you'll bless them richly and encourage them. Even on another soggy Sunday, we choose to say, "You're enough for us. You'll meet our need. You are good." Even at times when the clouds are heavy and we don't see the sun, we know you're good. Bless, I pray, these people as they go in service to you. In the name of Christ, I pray. All God's people say, Amen. 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 Go in His grace. Greet one another as you go.